Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. I recorded a concert, I think it was off Access TV or whatever, and I record sometimes when I see stuff on there. Nice. And I'm like, oh man, Bon Jovi, cool. And you played in this 2020 concert. You like Bon Jovi because they're from New Jersey. See, there's your New Jersey guy. See, we have better When pizza. did he forget how to sing, by the way? I know, it's a shame, isn't it? I have to say, I mean, I love him. He's from New Jersey. He comes from the land of great music and great pizza. Um, oh. Best pizza. Around. Sounds like he's singing like the pizza. It's around the house. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is around the house. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we talk everything within your house, inside, outside. Doesn't matter what you got going on, we're here to help you through that project. I'm Eric G, and we got Caroline B here sitting right next to me. Welcome hey to the guys. show. How's everybody doing this week? Excellent. You know, I took a weekend and didn't go out and bust my butt too much. Uh, you know, I've been pushing it so hard around the house, trying to get that film shoot ready and I kind of chilled out a little bit this weekend and and I only worked at about 50 percent instead of putting in my 16 hour days trying to knock stuff out that's good you need a rest you were Eric was doing a big record the last week so he was doing some tv stuff so it's good to take a break absolutely well you have been busy since this weekend yeah but not fun things people for all of you out there and radio podcast land we had some flash floods well not only that i mean i was out barbecuing on saturday night and i get a facetime facebook message and i'm like it looks like you're out on an island oh my god we had so much rain well let's talk about like let's talk about what happened in germany first because we were discussing that prior to coming into the studio wow those guys got hammered i mean when you look at that, I mean, I was shocked at how much rain they had out there. I think the uh, the conversion from metric was one city got 8.1 inches in nine hours. That is incredible amounts of water, people. Like you're like a standard hurricane will probably drop three to five inches in a in a clip. But that's over, you know. So say you get hit by a hurricane, it's tri- typically over like a one to two day period. They're talking yeah. about eight inches in nine hours, which is like obscene. And if you see the pictures, I mean, these these towns were destroyed. Well, and then across Western Germany, they had four to six inches in 24 hours across the rest of it. You know, it's one thing if you look at history, right? If you get hurricanes every, let's say every decade, 
it tends to move that loose dirt out of there. It tends to move stuff around a little bit. But when you get a place like that, that's not used to getting, I mean, their, their annual rain for July is like three and a half inches or so plus or minus. Yeah. I mean, come on, you get that much in there, no systems designed to take it. And now you got a heck of a mess. No. And these were old towns that had been around, I mean, forever. So, so let's just talk about it affected Germany and then also parts of Belgium. So it went like it was like northern Germany above Frankfurt, I guess, to the west and then over to Belgium and down in that whole area. It looks like Luxembourg, but a very large, it's quite a large area. And then, yeah. of course, some of these towns had been there forever. I was just trying to kind of see what uh, the devastation had been. Um, I think there were I saw in Smithsonian right? Magazine where they said that they had not seen water levels like this in 500 to 1,000 years. That's incredible. It went from Western Germany and Belgium, as well as Austria and parts of the Netherlands, Switzerland and Luxembourg. So those were the areas that were really flooded. Wow. So quite a large, you know, not, not a small space. And it looks like about yeah, 150 I mean, people have been, have died. That's terrible. You know, you guys got hit with a, a small version of that last weekend. Yeah. So Eric was, I got a call from me in, in dire panic. And for any of you know, if you are a remediator or a contractor or something, we can solve everybody's problems. But when it comes to, when we get hit now, Eric's a little different than me, but when I get hit, I like go into this like ghost, like mode where I'm like, Oh my God, my eyes go wide open <laughs> and I panic. And even though I know completely what to do, it somehow when it affects me, it's a little bit different. So um, I guess it's because it's your <laughs> stuff being flooded and water coming into your basement. But yeah, in my office building, we had we got hit with a flash flood. And so for about four hours, mostly in, in two, we got three to five inches of rain. So we had like every road was closed onto like a location. So you couldn't get anywhere. And literally to get to the building, we had to go through two feet of water. And luckily we have an F-150 so we could do that. But um, it was just insane. It was incredible. And uh, so we have a lot of devastation and that's what I was doing all weekend long and giving Eric updates of what was happening. Well, let's talk about this. And this is going to kind of drive this first half of the show here a little bit about water in the basement. You know, I mean, and even a crawl space, it does work there too, but water in a basement's a big deal. And, you know, your office there where you've got a very old building is a little bit different than many homes in the country that just have a concrete basement, right? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you've got in, in this particular building too, there are utilities there. So it, you know, there are your boilers down there and you've got electrical down there and you have a washer dryer and like all kinds of stuff is actually in the space. And that's the same with a home. And so depending on how much water, like we took in six inches and luckily everything was up on, you know, pallets and blocks and things like that. But if we had gone over that, then it becomes, there are people in the neighborhood, um, in the area that had, you know, their whole entire basement had been flooded. So that's crazy that um, we got lucky, right? Six inches is Yeah, so manageable. let's paint a picture on what that basement looks like. Is that you, you were talking about kind of a, a stone foundation down there with like kind of a cobblestone floor? Exactly. So it's got, well, it's got an actual, it's a cement floor, but it's got all, co you know, kind of cobblestone-y walls. And the, the original house okay. was 1800s. So it's got 
a crawl space on one side that was under the actual 1800s part. And then there were additions put on. So an addition put on in 1920s and then another addition put on in probably about the 1950s. So you have different types of basements. But believe it or not, the old basement, the one that's actually, you know, from the 1920s to the 1800s, that one actually stays a lot drier. And Eric and I were talking about why is that, that these newer construction basements seem to get mold faster? Like I was really surprised that we pulled up a lot of things in the basement that had been, you know, wet over, I guess, periods of time. And it just didn't, it didn't have mold, which was strange, right? But we think it's about breathability yeah. and about the block and things breathing a lot better. Well, and and to be fair, this is not, this is kind of, you know, there's a landlord involved in this, so this isn't your building. So, mm-hmm. but think about that when you're, when you're working on a place like that, every single one of these is different. You know, you could have a full four inch concrete slab down there. You could have what they call a rat slab, which is maybe a half inch or one inch concrete, or you could have a stack stone down there as a floor. And they all react very differently in how you have to clean them up and treat them. Yep, they do. And and some dry out better. But I have to say the older basements, and I don't know if they were thinner, Eric, if the actual, and, and this is all speculation, but you know whether the stone um, is less thin thick than a slab. So it's allowing more air in there in general to dry out quicker that you don't get mold. But I, you know, it's interesting to see, but I definitely find when I go into these older spaces, they seem to be less moldy. Um, if they get a lot of airflow, yours drained out pretty well. Cause you had some floor drains in there after the, the water, you didn't have to do a bunch of pumping down there, right? No, we were thought we were going to have to. So we were trying to get the pumps and the hoses and fire hoses going to pump the water out. And then all of a sudden it just receded for for some unknown reason but it did everywhere i mean literally when you looked in the back of the property there were um like there was like a lake it looked like a reservoir had formed from that amount of rain and then overnight it had completely dissipated down to like a puddle it was so strange so it's amazing how fast that came and you know three to five inches of rain is a lot of rain to get in a very small span of you know four hours so and then it just dissipated as as quickly as it was there. And I'm thinking the devastation in Germany and and the other European countries was very similar to that. They got eight, you know, eight inches of rain in a very short duration of time. So they got double what we got. Right. I mean, so it would have been a double yeah. situation. Yeah, but, that's incredible. Um, and so and then when you have you have such erosion problems when you have that kind of water, because I mean, that's like a dam break type situation where you've got water going over over everywhere and so when you've got that massive amount of water like in germany now erosion takes place and now you're taking out you know the side of the river you're taking out bridges you're taking out buildings you're taking about all these things out and you're also cutting out all that silt as well that was maybe in some of the calmer places of those rivers and when you're talking the rhine and things like that that's just its own mess and then the worst part to me on top of that is now you've drug up all that old pollution as well and moved it around everywhere. So you've got a a bigger mass that was maybe stuff that fell out in the river from, right. you know, hundreds of years of of stuff being washed into the river, dumped into the river, whatever. And now that silt is everywhere, which creates its, creates its own health hazard. And then, you know, when you're when you're doing a cleanup, I mean, I'm really not into toxic chemicals at all. So if you'll see when I mean, even over the years, I've been a mold remediator since um, 1999. So um, even though I don't do mold remediation anymore, I did it for years and I was always very cognizant of the toxic stuff. Well, you know, Caroline, let's talk about that when we come back since we got to go out to break. Let's talk about the 
the great products and some of the stuff that you can use for cleanup, at least just the procedure. And let's do that just as soon as Around the House returns. And Caroline B, where we're talking everything about your house every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hey. Well, Caroline, been, we've been talking about, sheesh, uh, your house, flooding, everything <laughs> else. But this weekend, I want to tell you a quick story because this was crazy. I recorded a concert. I think it was off Access TV or whatever. And I record sometimes when I see stuff on there. Nice. And I'm like, oh, man, Bon Jovi. Cool. <laughs> and you played in this 2020 concert. You like Bon Jovi because they're from New Jersey. See, there's your New Jersey guy. See, we have better pizza. When did he forget how to sing, by the way? I know. It's a shame, isn't it? I have to say, I mean, I love him. He's from New Jersey. He comes from the land of great music and great pizza. Um, oh. Best pizza around. Sounds like he's singing like the pizza. <laughs> oh, my God. He, got, he has <laughs> lost his voice. I'm sorry. I love him. I mean, he was so cute. but I even like his wine, but man. And I feel bad. And I actually, I started to do some research on it because I'm like, okay. I mean, I loved Bon Jovi in the 80s and 90s and up to the 2000s. And to me, I thought they lost a lot of wind in the sails, you know, <laughs> when they lost a certain member of the band. And I'm not going to rail on that whole thing. But here's the thing. It sounds like if you do a little quick Googling that he pushed his voice so hard during that time that he blew it out and it's just never been able to recover from that. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I saw there's a there's a video on YouTube and people can look it up, but like it has John Bon Jovi singing in 1991. Then it has John Bon Jovi singing in like, I don't know, it's like, it's like 2019. And it's just, it doesn't even sound like the same person. You know, there's other acts that have done that that don't sound as good. And I mean, everybody's getting older, right? So maybe the chops aren't there, but... You know, I'm almost putting him into like where, you know, Vince Neal has had some bad shows from time to time for Motley Crue and David Lee Roth has had some tough times, but you David know, singing some sounds songs. like David. The only difference between David is he now sounds like a cheesy Vegas act where he was a rock and roller before. I mean, look, it, you, you can you can still tell it's David. He still tries where Bon Jovi really Fair. sounds vastly different. I mean, his tone, his pitch, everything is, it's like if somebody said it was the same person and I heard it, that's why you have to listen to the YouTube um, differences because it's that profound. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that up in the show notes today. That's, there we go. Let's put that video up in the show notes so people can listen to that. But I mean, it's, 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 it's like me talking like this and then me talking like this. It's so much different. I mean, it's, it's completely different voice and it's shocking. Maybe he had nose work. Sometimes when you have nose work, it changes your voice tone. You never know. A lot of celebrities yeah. have, you know, rhinoplasty. Maybe he had something. Yeah, nice. fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, hey, let's get back to cleaning up your basement since uh, your office basement has been a uh, disaster yeah, zone for the last couple of days. Flash floods, people. Watch out. Yeah. I mean, 
we're in a drought out here where I'm at, so I'm wishing we had rain, but we yeah. we're I think we're coming up on month two with no rain and and looking off in the 10 day forecast, I don't see any coming up anytime soon. And we've got wildfires all around us. So we're getting ready to come into smoke season. But you guys have been getting rain out there. What is the best way if you've got water in your basement and you're in a panic going, holy smokes, we got a flood? What's the best thing to do? Well, it depends how much you have, right? So there's a difference between some people just have it seeping in and you can use a shop vac, right, to start picking up the water. And you have to kind of wait until the water, you got to start doing it, but the water kind of has to recede on its own, you know, because it'll keep coming in. You'll shop vac it up and you'll see it come up again. Or you've got to go down to a local hardware store, whether it's, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, wherever you want to go, get yourself a pump. And then you got to put some good size hose on there and you put that into the water and you pump it out of the, out of the space. So that's the first thing you got to get it out of there. Yeah. And the first thing is too, when you do that, make sure that that hose dumps out, you know, 15, 20 feet away from the house, because if you drop it just outside the, the window or the doorway or however you're getting it out there, if you're dropping it within 10 feet, you now have a pond pump because you've got a circular action going yeah. on. Yeah. You're probably just going to contribute to the foundation. Yeah. So you want to make sure you've got one who is extended far away from the property and the other one down in the basement or whatever you space got is splitted. So then after you get that, Caroline, kind of dialed in at least the major water out, what's the next phase? What's, what's, the, what's cleanup part two on just getting the water out? So usually, I mean, I'm a shop vac person, so I typically, if you can, and you have, I mean, this is if you have accessible and you don't have to hire a professional to come in, right? So you're going to want to get the water, suck all that water out and make sure always when you're dealing with any kind of flood situation, respirator is a huge thing. So I have a P100 that I wear constantly. You know, when you're dealing with stuff like that, you don't know what the water's brought in. You don't know what has come in contact with it, something inside the building, Um, So you want to be really, really careful. And again, this is like if you can handle it and this water infiltration hasn't affected your electrical system or something, if you're not sure that everything that in this circumstance that we're giving you was already up on a pallet or it was high enough that the water didn't reach it. But if you're dealing with a situation and you have potential electric issues, you need to call a professional. Don't don't go down there and do it yourself. Yeah, that water, if if you're up high enough where there's an outlet that's wet or a cord that's getting wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't go in there, guys. That's when you call on the professional to come in there and they'll probably want to turn the power off from the outside so you can gain access just to make sure. I don't want to see somebody stepping into a 18 inches of water in a basement and there's Mm-mm. a dryer cord that's 12 inches off the ground and now you got right. a uh, a very hot pool down there that you're putting your foot into and don't want to see anybody getting shocked. Yeah. And you have to remember too, like I'm doing a cleanup. I've been a mold remediator for 20 years. So, you know, I'm pretty careful, but just for a layman, you know, don't want to be going into a flooded situation and potentially have an electric. So, um, and you can always call an electrician first, or you can call the power company. Somebody can come and shut that off for you. And then you can go in there and do the work. So if Absolutely. you, we- if you know, if you know what's going on and you've got water, then the next thing to do is like, you know, we had, it had receded on its own. We had drains in, in that, in that space. So we started with the shop back, you know, wet dry back, um, and started to basically get up as much water as we could. Well, we're going to have to go to break here in just a second, but once you get that dried out in there and then of course, airflow and dehumidification, dehumidification is important too. And let's talk about that when we come back. Cause that's kind of that key part of this because so many people kind of get it dry mopped up and say, Oh, we're good. And they leave it. We'll talk more about that just as soon as we're at the house. Hey, 
it's Eric G with Around the House. Are you looking to grow your business? Need a spokesperson for your company? Maybe an MC for an upcoming trade show? Or maybe you want to up your game and shoot some promotional videos? My team of experts would love to chat with you. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and fill out the contact us form, and we'll set something up. Thanks for listening to Around the House. You know two things only get better this is Farewell, Angelina, and you're listening to Around the House with Eric G. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G. And Caroline B. We're mm-hmm. home improvement source every weekend. Thanks, Caroline. How are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm doing all right. This week I'm a little drained by everything that went on, but that's the nature of podcasting and radio. You get the all of us, the funny us, the tired us, the <laughs> worked out, busy, you know, all of that. You get all our different personalities. So that's good. We're real people and we want to share our real lives with you. So here we are. I'm Eric had a rest and I had a weekend from hell. <laughs> <laughs> right i mean you've you've been exhausted from just tackling this big project and if you're just joining us right now or t- you know, kind of tuning in you know we've been talking about your flooded work basement and we talked about cleaning this up and getting it kind of you know the water out what's the best step now after removing the big chunks of water and maybe getting it kind of okay, I got as much I could with the shop back, but now I still got a wet concrete floor and wet stuff in the room. What's next? Yeah, and also I just want to say that this was something in a building that didn't flood, right? It We've been through hurricanes, yeah. we've been through Floyd, we've been through Sandy, and never had we had six inches of water. And this came from a flash flood that just dropped an extreme amount of water, three to five inches in our area. So this can happen to anyone. I just want to say that you don't need to have a basement that typically floods to have this situation. And so that's what happened with us. Um, yeah. So once you get everything, you know, you try to get it dried out. We were obviously removing stuff, taking stuff out of the space um, as we went and then using a shop back to try to clean up the residual water that kept coming in. But um, you got to sanitize and you got to use something um, to me, non-toxic. I've been a mold remediator for 20 years. So that was the beginning of my career, how I started. And I always was very cautious about using people, things in people's homes. You know, these, a lot of these microbiologicals and biocides and things like that have a lot of consequence to them. So we don't want to take out one toxic of mold and mycotoxins and put in another toxin and make people sick. And that happens (laughs) a lot in these, you know, you'll hear a lot of stories. I can't be in my house. They sprayed so much biocide. And so I try to do things really. Or they came in and sprayed bleach everywhere. Yeah, no bleach. No, 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 guys. No bleach with mold. That's been a a rule of thumb that's kind of, it's old school. We don't do that anymore. But I like to use, believe it or not, good old hydrogen peroxide. It works great. And the reason it works great is because it creates a bubbling action, which kind of bubbles things up to the surface. So then you can bubble it up, sanitize it, and then run a HEPA vacuum. And I use a shop vac with a HEPA filter and a bag. So you always want to be using a HEPA, a HEPA. We talked about it prior, but make sure you're using HEPA. Not when you're doing the water cleanup necessarily, but 
after the fact. Yeah, you, you know? take the filter generally out for the water cleanup because you're going to yeah. tank the filter. Exactly. But and yeah, you've got water, back, but right. And you've got water that you know when you when you spray things down when we do a lot of contamination cleanup, right? We wet the surfaces because we don't want the things to become airborne. So you want to make sure that you know when you're doing the wet dry, do the wet first, and then after you clean it and and sanitize it, let it dry, and then go back over it again. And you're using the HEPA. I like the shop back with the HEPA um, filter in the bag. It's great. Works great. Smart. And that way you can get rid of it. And it's not a, you're not, you're not having to create another mess when you try to clean that up. Mm-hmm. I really, you know what? We need to have shop back on because I, I really love shop back makes, there's different filters for it for people who don't know. So, you know, you have your mm-hmm. regular, just standard filter, but then you have your HEPA filter. And I always put a HEPA in there for the few extra bucks that it costs me to put a HEPA in. Um, and that goes inside and then you also have your bag. So it's just easy cleanup. I mean, when you're done, you can toss everything and shop bags are great because you can, you know, wipe them out and spray them down and hose them. I love it. I love them. Yeah. The only time I don't put the HEPA on there is if I'm doing like sheetrock dust or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. from where I've been, where I've been sanding because it just plugs them up too quickly. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And yeah. that's, you know, and, and to be honest for that, I wish I had a better vacuum because for instance, if you're, if I was, especially when I'm doing sheetrock around the house, there's a vacuum that uh, Milwaukee makes, which is awesome. And it's a HEPA vacuum for using like with silica dust and that kind of stuff. So where you're, you're grinding with concrete, it's got the vacuum system. Well, after every few minutes, it reverses and blows the filter back out in the canister to keep that caked on stuff from sucking up and plugging up the filter. My shop vac doesn't have that. So that's that's probably that's an upgrade really one of these good. days that I need to do. Yeah. I mean, look, people, I have done homes for over 20 years. So the biggest thing is you need to have a secondary vacuum, not your house vacuum. People, I see people do this all the time. They'll take their standard, whether they have a Mealy, you have a Sebo, oh. you've got, right, a standard vacuum. And they start using that for like their construction cleanup. It's, oh. Those weren't designed for that. You have to have a separate home shop vac or you know like eric's talking about this milwaukee vacuum is fantastic as well but you need something for this scenario yeah i mean i've got the rigid home depot orange shop Mm -hmm. vac but i've also got a like stick vacuum that's a milwaukee one that has a rotating brush head on it that's meant for job site stuff yeah so it's meant to grab sawdust and all that junk out without burning the motor up because that's a good way to a quick way to ruin a good vacuum is to throw a bunch of sheetrock dust and <laughs> and sawdust through that. it because you're going to burn the thing up. It's not meant for that. And and I think because no. we talk to homeowners, you know, we've got a lot of contractors on the show who listen who obviously are more knowledgeable. But when homeowners are listening, it's really important you have this type of vacuum for your house. You know, something to be used on projects because you're going to have people come in, contractors, and you have cleanup, you have all kinds of stuff. So please, please get yourself a shop vac, any kind of um, we should put up a list, Eric, of some vacuums that we think are good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. We'll put that up on the uh around the house online.com. We'll put it up over there so people can see it in the news section. Let's do that. That would mm-hmm. be a great place for that. So people can take a look at it because there's some great vacuums out there and they've had to change over the last few years because OSHA safety stuff for contractors has changed so much. So it's really forced the tool industry to look at things differently and create products that fit that demand, which means as consumers, we've got a lot more choices without having to go out and spend thousands of dollars on what used to be one of the commercial HEPAVACs. 
Yeah, and these shop vacs, I mean, they're not expensive. I mean, they're, you know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe max, if you get the filters with it. You know, you can get a good deal. Yeah. But you don't want to be in a situation where you've got a flood and now you've got to go out and get these things. Like, this is like a thing that you need for an emergency, preventative around the house. You need a good inside vacuum. So we could always talk about that another time because I'm adamant about vacuuming and cleaning to keep down dander, dust mites, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But then you also need a good type of work vacuum, something that you can use for these scenarios. And you don't want to be going out and buying one in the middle of the night at nine o'clock at night when you've got a flood or something <laughs> happens. So you need it. Well, that's like that's like being on day two of the snowstorm and going out looking for a show, show <laughs> exactly. a snow shovel. You're not going to find it, right? It's just that's you're gonna you're gonna be staring at that empty shelf <laughs> because there's a thousand people that had the same idea twenty minutes before you. And and people like Eric knows. I mean, he's like you can see behind him, right? We, well, we're in a studio, so you guys can't. But I'll describe yeah. it. He's got everything back there that he needs. But a lot of homeowners, they they don't. And and I'm not for storing things if you're not going to use it. But these are emergency things that I think are, are required. And and maybe at some point, Eric and I will do a show about that too. What do you need to have? Yeah. What's a necessity? Yeah, and that cleanup is key because, you know. And now let's talk about this. We've got a couple minutes before we go out to break. Now that you've got it up, you've got that cleaned up. But the problem is you've got what, 90% humidity in a basement because usually you don't have conditioned air going in there mm -hmm. and you still have this wet, nasty damp, concrete, but cleaned up space. And the relative humidity, I mean, I'm monitoring it, right? It was, you know, 80%. So we've got a commercial grade dehumidifier running right now. So once you get it cleaned up, you got to dry it all out. And then also some fans, you know, and, and they make some really good commercial fans that you can throw in there too to just move the air. Yeah, just to get that around. One, so you can let the dehumidifier get the water out of there and get that out of the space. And two, that way you're not going to, if you can get that under 60%, then you're reducing that chance of mold growing anywhere else that you didn't get treated. Exactly. And so now we're already on to second topic, right? So we need a good commercial vacuum that you can use for these circumstances. And you should always have a dehumidifier in the house somewhere where you can use it in an emergency. That's smart. That's the one thing I don't have is that dehumidifier, but I don't also have a basement either. So I know. You still, still need to get that. What if that. you break a That's pipe? All. Hold on. I'm writing it down on my need to tool list. So need. Somehow I think I can square you up with a dehumidifier. I know somebody. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But, you know. Yeah, I think so. I, don't I give mean, me one of those recalled ones, though. Don't give me one of those no recalled problem. ones that are out there. <laughs> no problem. Here, burn your house down. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that's you're so dead on with that and having that where you can drop it down. Because if you've ever hired a water company to come in, if you've had that flood in the kitchen, if you've had that, what are the first two things they do is one, they make sure that the, the flood is stopped Stop. and two, mm -hmm. they get it mopped up and they get that dehumidifier going and yep. try to get as much moisture out of there pulled up as they can. And now an important message from Indeed. You know, the reasons to find your next hire with Indeed are starting to add up. Just take a look at the numbers. Instant Match searches millions of resumes in Indeed's database to deliver candidates whose resumes fit your job description. They have 135 skills tests that go beyond the resume to help you find the right candidates faster. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you want to multiply your employees and subtract the hassles of finding them, visit Indeed.com slash credit. Hey, when you come back, let's talk about some of the things you can do to prevent this from happening around your house 
And let's do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Today's indoor air quality tip is brought to you by Pyramid Heating and Cooling and PyramidHeating.com. Gas and electric cooktops and ranges can add more indoor air pollution to your home than any other item. Your range hood needs to be correctly vented all the way outside of your home. Make sure that it's not vented just into the attic as that can create more mold and pollution issues. You know those recirculating hoods do not do a great job of removing those pollutants and moisture from the air. You got to have that air vented outside. When you're cooking, make sure you're actually using that hood to get all that bad air outside of your kitchen and not moving around. If you have a larger hood over 400 CFM, make sure you hook up makeup air to replace that air. Because if you think about it, 400 CFM is like 400 basketballs per minute of air. An open window can help you, but there's nothing more efficient that can help you than a great functioning range hood. To thrive in the great indoors, visit pyramidheating.com, Oregon CCB 59382. That's pyramidheating.com. to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we're talking home improvement and flooded basements, or at least Caroline's flooded basement. Hey, make sure you hit us up on Facebook real quick. I want to throw this out there. Around the House show is where you'll find us. And don't forget Around the House Nation, where you can join in in the discussion with stuff over there or the website aroundthehouseonline.com. I always need to give you guys some places to go if you need more information. We've been talking about Caroline's flooded basement where you have been battling this whole problem of water. Oh my God. No. (laughs) My weekend was ruined and now it is going into the week. And next weekend, I'm going to be at the Sticks concert. So I don't want floods. I don't want any problem. I just want to have a good time and party and hang out. So I want to get all this done before I have to. uh, I'm going to the balloon festival, Eric. They're like have the most amazing balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. No, you're going to be, uh, hopefully it's not, hopefully you got good weather for that. Balloon festivals are fun. Yeah. I, it was looking like it was going, I love it. I love that they have like the concert starts at like three and then the balloons go up and you're just chilling. And, oh, it's fantastic. So nice. We usually have one here about uh, 20 minutes from the house here over in uh tigard but uh this last year it's usually in the springtime so it got canceled with the uh the covid thing so that thing got mm, uh yeah shut down but that's okay next year they'll have it and it's kind of cool kind of cool well we've been talking about you know your flooded basement project which is a total bummer and i wanted mm. to talk a little bit about how to prevent it because so many times when you've got rain i mean you had a problem which was a little extraordinary where you had mm-hmm. a groundwater water on top of the ground. This wasn't just a rainy day that you got water in the basement. This was legitimately a flash flood. And there's not much you can do to a basement when you just overwhelm everything and there's no chance to stop it from the outside. A hundred percent. So, I mean, this was just, I, I mean, you know, we have gutter extenders, right? That's a big thing. Always wanting to pump that, make sure your gutters are clean. So obviously I'm in this business. So mine are, thank yep. God, but all the gutters are extended out. You know, we've got at least six feet on each gutter extender. See, so, my rule, my rule you know, on we, gutters is that I want them to go a minimum of 10 feet away from the house mm. because I always, and I've learned this. And, and here's the interesting thing. 
talking with clients over the years, because I worked for a while with a foundation uh, repair company that dealt with, with flooded basements, is that we found that, you know, when water comes out at a point like that, it's almost like an, a cone that's upside down. So it hits that point, but as it goes down a foot, that water can can go out and extend out and extend out and extend out. So that cone, if it's eight feet above water, above the foundation floor of where your basement floor is, let's say it's, there's an eight foot difference there and you're eight feet out, you could have at the edge of that cone water hitting the foundation because you've got now that eight foot cone down there. So it's one of those things you have to be a little careful with. For me, my rule is I say 10 feet. So that way you're good. Mm -hmm. But are you going underground or are you going extender? I like to go underground. I like to have it go down into a storm drain system into like three inch ABS pipe that's now buried underground that goes out and you can either put it into a drain field. You can put it into a um, I really like it if it goes into a dry well or even if he just goes down, down, you know, elevation wise low where the house is so the water runs away and you can even do a a pop-up emitter into landscaping or something like that just to keep it away that way you don't have to worry about an extender getting kicked or broken or anything like that it's a more reliable Mm -hmm. system that way and it looks it looks better the only thing we have to be careful about when you do do some type of underground system wherever your um end pipe is right Mm -hmm. so here they'll put them underground and they'll come out above ground you have to make sure that they don't get stuff with leaves they don't get grass covering over them you lose them nobody knows where they are i mean it just happens all the time yeah the ones that i like using the most are these pop-ups and so they're about like a six inch lid and the middle is a four inch and so it or a three inch it pops up and so you know when water's coming out the middle pops up and as soon as the water stops it pops back down again so it's spring loaded with just a very light spring. And so that way, when the water comes out, it can be rushing out everywhere. And then as soon as that stops, it stops, you know, and it closes nice. that up. So it's a good, easy way to do it. But my experience is about 60% of the time, flooded basements can be attributed to gutters or lack of gutters, not getting farther, getting that water, all that water load off the roof far enough away from the house. And that may be, I mean, I'm saying ours are six. They may be, they may be. Eight oh, sure. No, but, I'm not. I'm just you know, saying we that do that's have a- some, we, we do have some sort of extension, you know, on there already, but it didn't, it didn't touch it. Yeah. Well, and it's not going to touch it when you have that much water coming around. You've just, you've overwhelmed every system because even if you took that water and put it 50 feet away, you still have four to six inches of water up against the house because you've got that water hitting everywhere. Right insane it was insane i've never seen that kind of thing so and then i guess there's a yeah and then one of the other things i always say too is make sure that if you have them going down into the ground and they go off into a dry sump about every five years i say you should have a a plumbing company come out and camera and snake that thing and make sure that it's clean that you don't have any leaves or mm-hmm. pine cones any kind of seeds anything else that you would see up on the roof down in that system yeah, no, I agree. You always have to have it snaked out. I actually have to have mine, the backyard, uh, in my home snaked out because we lost one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it comes out anymore. I think it's somewhere. We live on a, a pretty big hill, so I think it's coming out the bottom. But I don't know if it's been sealed over. So yeah, we've we, got we one uh, it's draining. Yeah, my front one. I don't know where it goes out. I ran a snake down it with a camera <laughs> as far as I could, and it's underneath my carport, underneath the asphalt someplace. And then it got dirty oh enough God. in there. I can't see where it goes. And so 
I have no idea where that thing's coming out. That's another project for Eric G. Be like surprise! All of a sudden, you're gonna like all of a sudden get a natural spring right in the middle of your carport. Yeah, well, it's under the asphalt. That's the bad part. So hopefully, it goes out on the other side. But I don't know. You know, I don't want to see the car drop in because I had a big, uh, you know, the Mercedes convertible is now in a sinkhole, looking like it's the Corvette Museum or something. Oh, speaking of sinkholes, in talk about your deck. Oh, yeah. Real quick. We're going to have to go out here at the end of the show in a few minutes. But I had my old deck, which isn't part of the pictures we've been talking about on the side. I knew it was a little spongy in one spot in the middle, and it finally let go. Now, this deck is 12 inches off the ground. But what was a little bit of slope when I bought the house and I said, I better take a look at that. Yeah, it finally went down. And I, man, I spent the Saturday jacking up on that thing and getting it leveled up. It was three inches out of level. So I had a lot of work to do on it, but uh, yeah, the six inch post had completely failed. And then it split off into a million pieces because when I got low, all the water drained towards that, which was now the low point, which made it rot even further. And so that was a hot mess. Well, Caroline, we're out of time. Hmm, It always goes so fast with you, my friend. All right. I'm Eric G. I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around Around the the House. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.